Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. We're so glad you're here together. Uh, funny thing here, and I'm looking like it, just the irony, right down this path here, there are two Sarahs. So Sarah number one, Sarah and Lance, don't all of a sudden freak out because I'm going to ask for Sarah to help me, but I'm looking at the Sarah above, beyond you, okay, yep. And so Sarah Lawson, I, I, I'm, you're going to help me today, okay? You're going you're gonna to help me preach this sermon, okay? So you need to just remember for me, because I'm going to ask you, to help me with this quote, because this video, the lady says a mouthful of things that I will, frankly, in first hour, just got lost in. I got lost in it. It was, it, it was a disaster. It was a train wreck. So you're going to help me with this, okay? And when, you, when I ask you, hey, what did this lady say? Then you just share with me. You, and so you might want to be prepared, you, okay? Either take notes or, or just remember this. She reminded us, she said, I am not alone. He guides me, okay? Two things there. I'm not alone. He guides me. And then the simple truth is that real joy is found in him, okay? I'm not alone. He guides me. The simple truth is that in real joy, the real joy is found in him. Got it? Okay, thank you. So we're going to put that on pause, okay? We're going to come back to the video in a minute, but I just want to just start out this series, and just, or not series, this, this talk, this time today with you, just reminding us of a simple truth that, that if we would have said this 18 months ago, if we would have said this five years ago, most of you would yawn and go, well, that's not too crazy of a statement. But today, this statement is probably a bit revolutionary for us, and it might sound a bit impossible even, and that is this, that I believe, and the contention of this church is that you can choose to live the very best life possible, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. Now, again, say that, say that 18 months ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, that's a yawner, right? Today, there would be people that would probably immediately, your blood pressure rises a bit, your fists start clenching, and you want to say, Tony, you're a liar right now, because I don't believe that for a moment, because the circumstances I've been in in the last two months, the circumstances I've been in in the last six months, the circumstances I've been in the last 12 months, I cannot even imagine living the kind of life that I could dream of. I don't think that is possible whatsoever. So we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this little experiment now, but just imagine if we created a, you know, a, a fun word that has been in our, in our vocabulary the last few months has been pods. You know? So let's just say we formed some pods of group think here and just divided people up and gave you a notepad and said, you know, what, are, what would be the things that you would need in order to experience the very best life? What do you imagine if you were in a pod of, of like-minded people that you would be writing down on that pad? What are the things that you need to have the very best life? You see, in the, the video, if we just even use the video we saw, that could be a springboard for us, couldn't it? I mean, you know, observe, observe what was in and around that family in that video. Uh, you, you could argue a comfortable lifestyle, nice things in a nice home. 
You know, a lot of us would say, if I had a nice home, if I had nice things filling up a nice home, then I'm going to live the kind of life that I want. Or perhaps uh, you'd see you could, you could be that, that lady that we saw, the lady we saw in the video, she, she could have been tempted to put all of her hope in, in a husband, in a family, right? And the fact that she has the right mate, she has the right amount of kids. Uh, some, of you that, some of you would say, you know, I, I need a lot of kids to have the kind of life that I could dream of. Those of you that say that have a lot of kids would say, I just, oh, if I had a few kids, if I just had a few kids, then I would have the kind of life that, uh, that I could dream of, right? Uh, that, that is another option. You know, what we didn't see in the video, but what many of us might be thinking would be education. If, if I had another degree, if I had a terminal degree, if I had, if I went, had a different degree, if I went to college, if I went to a different kind of college, if I would, if I, instead of going to college, I would have went to trade school. If I went to trade school, instead of going to trade school, if I went to college and, and got a different degree, then, then I would experience the kind of life that would give me the best chance to have the best life possible. You know, the reality is this, most of us, if we were to have these, if we were to truly do that experiment, I was telling you that, that thought and, and allow all of us to think about that and we'd look at our lists, the reality is, is most of us would list things that we don't have currently, right? And we'd say, we need these things to give us the kind of life that we could only dream of. We would either list those things that we do not have, or a second group is we would list those things that we cannot have, right? Why can I say that confidently that, that most of us say that to have the kind of life that I believe would be a dream life, uh, the only way to have that or to, to, is to have things I don't have or can't have. Why is that a, a pretty uh, safe bet to place? Well, it's because I understand human nature, right? I mean, that's human nature, isn't it? Human nature is always looking here and going, man, this grass isn't very green, but over on the other side, the grass is a lot greener, and it's a lot better over there. Uh, you experience that in your life? Know that you're not the first one to experience that, that. Know that you're not the only one to experience that. We saw this video here in which this woman could have very easily chosen to live her life in pursuit of a home and stuff, in pursuit of a husband, in pursuit of children. And then in the video, what happens? The rug is pulled out from under her because of life, no fault of her own, and she loses her child. A situation I never, ever, ever want to make light of, a situation I know many people, many people in our community, many people in our family have struggled with over the years. And so I get the heartache here and the heart wrench, but we see that this woman, that despite the heart heartache, that even in the prospect of children, that was not what she was saying, this is what's going to give me life. But instead, what did she say? Sarah, help me out now. What was it that she was saying at the end of the video that was the clincher for us? She didn't even have notes, friends. No notes. That's amazing. Good job, Sarah. Good job, Sharon Jed. Oh, she gives credit to her husband. Good job, guys. I am not alone. I am not alone. I am not alone. He, he, meaning Jesus, guides me. And the simple truth is that real joy 
is found in him. Friends, uh, the, the statement that you'll hear over and over today is this. I believe, I believe that when I choose Jesus, I choose life. That's the hope of the day. That's what we find in the scriptures. That's the claims that Jesus makes. He has an interesting, Jesus has an, an, a very interesting exchange with the religious leaders of the day. And they're recorded uh, as one of his disciples is watching this take place and watching these things occur. And they're found in the, the book of John. We're going to specifically, if you have a copy of Scripture, turn to John chapter 10. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, that's okay. We have copies on the screen for us to follow along. John chapter 10, Jesus is having this exchange with the religious leaders of the day because they're having a debate about with him because he does something unthinkable. He cures a person who is, who is deaf, who is mute, who is, uh, uh, well, that was previous to chapter 9. Chapter 9, uh, a blind person, a person who is born blind, and he heals them. And then there's this whole drama that comes in which, which the blind person is hauled into court. The blind person's family is hauled into court because they're trying to understand what is it that Jesus is trying to accomplish? What is he trying to say? And, and, and who is he? And so then he has an exchange, Jesus has an exchange with these, with these religious leaders of the day in chapter 10. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Verse 6 says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Uh, some of us can scratch our heads and go, well, this seems like a pretty simple story. How, did it, how was it that the Pharisees did not understand the implications that Jesus was making here? And, uh, and some of us could say, hey, you know what? I've never grown up around sheep. If, you're, if, if that's you, you're like me. I've never grown up around sheep. So some of these metaphors, if you heard them for the first time, you'd go, what, what is exactly Jesus saying here? What is he trying to to accomplish? What is he trying to communicate? So there's several, there's several characters or there's sev several elements to the story. He talks about strangers, doesn't he? He talks, about, he talks about gatekeepers. He talks about shepherds. He introduces the concept of thieves. And then he, he ultimately talks about this, this pen, this, this sheep pen. And we have a picture of what a sheep pen would have looked like potentially in that day. You see, we have images, for those of us who are non-shepherds, I am being one of them, have this image of all 24 hours a day, sheep just, just roaming the hillsides, and, and you got these shepherds by fires. We've even seen it in movies, haven't we? Shepherds warming themselves by fires at night and are just, uh, are just you know, looking around, and, you know, and they're looking uh, over the moonlit landscape for their sheep. 
Well, that's not how that worked. At least that would not be how it worked for a responsible shepherd, for a company or a family that had sheep, more than one or two. Uh, what they would do is oftentimes, if they had the means, they would build a pen for themselves. If they did not have the means, they would contract that out, much like how we have the cattle yards and the and and uh, contracts. You know, today where we see where livestock go and are pinned up before they go to sale. They there were there would be places where there were dozens of these types of pens all in a close area, and and someone would contract a shepherd would contract that it, at the end of the day he would bring his sheep to a specific pen and he would uh, he would would push push the, the the sheep through the gateway and this pen would be usually made up of stone piled high enough to keep wolves or or predators from jumping over the walls. It would also be high enough so that thieves could not climb over the walls to take sheep out. That was very important. These sheep pens would only have one entry point. There was the gate. It was through the gate, and only the gate was the only way that sheep could walk in or walk out. And so you can see here this picture of a guy, a gatekeeper, who literally was just laying there. And oftentimes that's probably what really happened was at nighttime, uh, the, the shepherd would, would take his sheep, put them in a pen, pay a gatekeeper or a night watchman to keep account over those animals. What the night watchman would do is not walk amongst the, the sheep all night long to make sure they're safe, but the night watchman would just post himself across the gate so he could sleep and know that if a, gate try, or if a sheep tried to walk through the gate, while he's asleep, he's going to wake up. If a wolf tries to come in while the shepherd's asleep, he's going to wake up. If a thief is coming to try to steal sheep, he's going to wake up. And so that's the common view of, of how shepherding was in this time period. And Jesus says in the midst of that, he says, look, you know what? I'm the gate for your sheep, for you as sheep to, to come and go to come out into the pastures, to have the life that you want to have. I am the way. I'm the way that you're going to have that. Jesus also uses some very interesting metaphors here and some very interesting things that, that we start understanding why the, the original, original religious uh, leaders were like, what are you trying to say here? Because Jesus says, look, you religious leaders, you came before me. You know, you're not the way. You don't give the sheep the answers that they're looking for. But no, instead, you're, you're a thief. Now, it'd be very easy for us, uh, people, for, especially if you've grown up in church and you've been steeped in New Testament theology and New Testament doctrine, New Testament understanding, that when you hear the word thief, and especially later on we're going to read about how the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you immediately think, well, he's talking about the devil here. And, and honestly, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's not talking about Satan at this point. Jesus is saying that all of these Pharisees and these Sadducees, these religious leaders, they're the thieves. They're the thieves that speak with no authority in the, in the lives of the sheep, but they come and they try to do what? They try to take. They take what is not theirs, and if they can't take it, they kill it. They destroy it. They want to they wanna crush anything if they can't take it for their own enrichment. Jesus is saying that about these Pharisees, and I get why the Pharisees are ticked off with them, why they don't like them. 
I mean, how would you like a guy who comes to you and says, you know, you're a thief, you're a thief, and any kind of leadership that you think you have, you don't have anything. You have no bona fides. You have no right to speak into people's lives because you are a liar. You're a thief. You want to hurt people. That's what Jesus was saying here. And he was saying, how, do I, how, how can I say that? Because he says, because, because the sheep know my voice. They know my voice. They listen to me. This is my sheep pen. And you're not a part of it, is what he's declaiming. He's declaring to, to the Pharisees. And he goes on and is, is teaching through this process. He's, he's telling them uh, that, that, that these Pharisees, the, the sheep will run from their teaching. Why? Because the Pharisees are not a part of the fold. They're not a part of the, of the ecosystem of the sheep pen if you will. And so therefore they don't know him. They don't the sheep don't know these Pharisees. They don't they don't hear their voice and listen to it. Jesus continues on in verse 7 he says therefore Jesus said it again. Very truly I tell you I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. So Jesus is breaking it down. Since the Pharisees didn't quite get his first message, he said, "Okay, let, let me help you understand. Stand this. The gate I am that gate. I am that gate. Uh, and this is such a good reminder for us. Uh, there's a picture of another gate. Cliff, go ahead. If you have that, throw that up there for me. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I, I apologize, Cliff. But here's another image of, of a sheep pen that existed uh, probably about the time period of Jesus' day. And you see that narrow gate in which the sheep were all expected to go through. Notice it's narrow enough here that the shepherd could actually literally won't be overwhelmed with a bunch of sheep coming, flocking towards him and getting out, but just one at a time. Only one at a time can come through. It gives the shepherd the ability to count how many sheep. Count, he, he would count how many sheep went in uh, at the evening. And when he got up in the morning to bring the sheep out to the to the to the Pasture land, count how many come out. Make sure they're the same amount here. And Jesus is saying, look, the way that you're entering into life, the way that you're doing life, you have many choices. There's many ways you can take. But he's saying, I am the only one. I am the gates. He continues on verse 8. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Why? Verse 9, because I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. You see what Jesus is doing is he's creating this image. He's, he's basically saying in life, there is the kingdom of God. In life, there is a group of people who choose to do life with a different understanding, with a different construct to what life should be like. And those people, the kingdom of God, there's only one way in, there's only one way out, and Jesus is saying, it's me, it's me. I am the gate. You see, that immediately raises suspicion to the average American, doesn't it? Because we like to believe that there are many gates. There are many paths for us to take that, that all of them are equal and all of them can lead you to happiness and all of them can lead you to, to security and all of them can lead you to contentment and all of them can lead you to peace. But Jesus is standing in stark contract to, or contrast to our American thinking of many paths to get you to the same place in life. Jesus is saying, I am exclusive. 
I am the only gate. I am the only way to get you in the direction that you want to be, to get you to, for you to go and travel in the kind of life that you hope to attain. Verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, again, as an American, as a person living in modern day time, right there when I read that passage, I immediately think, I just have this image of these sheep coming in in and out as they choose, as they please. They go out in the daytime on their own, and then they come back in on their own, and they find pasture on their own. Understand that when Jesus said that, that is not what anyone was thinking. No one had that visual in their minds because they knew that sheep were dumb animals. And for them to go out and come back in, for them to find pasture, what did it imply that they needed to have? A shepherd. There was always a shepherd with them, taking them in, taking them out. That little narrow gate, the only way a sheep would get out of that is if a shepherd was there ready to receive them. The only way they would go into the gate is if there was a shepherd there sending them into that gate. This passage here uh, in verse 8, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters in me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. There's an implication that there is this shepherd, this shepherd that will be leading the sheep all along. A good shepherd, Jesus would say. Verse 10, Jesus continues on. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And again, for us, we hear that in 1 Peter talks about how the, the, uh, the devil is like a lion looking who he can devour. And we get these images of stealing, killing, and destroying. And so we very quickly combine the two here. Understand, Jesus isn't just talking about just the, the devil. Now, yeah, we could say the enemy, the Satan, uh, fits this category. But Jesus was talking about a very broad category of, of thieves. He was saying that a thief was anyone that would come and try to speak into your life, was anyone that would come and try to give you instruction, anyone that would come and try to, try to give, you, uh, give you analysis or give you direction for life. And at the end of the day, when you embrace that instruction, when you embrace that teaching, when you embrace that philosophy, you find that it steals something from you. It, you find that it kills something within you. you. You find that it destroys your life. Jesus says, hey, that's not a shepherd. That's not a shepherd. That's a thief. That's a thief. You know what, they, you know what we do to thieves around here? Jesus is saying, you know what, they, what we do to thieves? He, he, he lived in a culture. What happened to thieves? Thieves, thieves didn't let, make it long in Jesus' culture. Thieves were the lowest of the low, right? And Jesus is saying that anybody that's coming into someone's life and is claiming to give them salvation, Claiming to give them hope, claiming to give joy, claiming to give direction through life and leadership in life, claiming to forgive sins or absolve of sin, to fix the sin issue in your life and the guilt issue, anything that claims to do that but then doesn't but instead steals from you, kills, destroys in your life, those things are thieves. Those things are thieves. And Jesus is teaching us that we need to start looking at those things not as, oh, that's just a life choice. I could, I, that's, a, a, that's a perfectly good choice to make. No, start looking at it as what it is. It's a thief looking to destroy you. It's a thief looking 
to hurt you. It's a thief that does not have your best interest at heart. But Jesus makes a very unique promise that only Jesus can make. And he says, the thieves, they, they come only to steal and kill and destroy, verse 10. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I could just imagine the image of Jesus standing in the colonnade as he's describing and discussing with these religious leaders, these very powerful men uh, all around him as they have the trappings of success. They have the trappings of wealth. They have the trappings of power, and they've been used to being able to dictate all of society and tell all the people around them uh, what to do. Yes, they viewed everyone around them as sheep as well, and they viewed that they had the authority to look at these people as sheep and direct them just like you would direct a sheep uh, in a a pen or in a meadow in a glade somewhere. And Jesus comes to them and boldly says, you know what, you're not a shepherd. Your philosophy, your ways of life, you're a thief because you're stealing and you're killing and you're destroying. I am the only one that can give life. And when I give it, I will give it in an abundant way. I will give it so that it is full and meaningful to the people who come to me. Only Jesus made that kind of claim. And let me tell you, in this specific context, Jesus was looking at the religious leaders. He was looking at a false and hollow and empty religious system that left people needing more, left people broken, left people contrite, and they were impossible. It was impossible for them to live up to the standards that the Pharisees were setting for them. And even those very standards that the Pharisees were setting, uh, they weren't even living up to themselves. But let me tell you, Jesus spoke in such a, not just in that context, but we come to this text in this context today that we're in. And I understand that many people in our world, we're, we're not necessarily, we're not looking at other religious leaders as ways or philosophies as ways to, to get the kind of life that Jesus is speaking about, about to have a life and to have one that's full. Many of us, we, we look to things, don't we? Money, if I just get money, if I just have enough money in life, I'll have a full life. And I've yet to meet a person who, and I've met a few that were very wealthy, who are at the very end of their lives. Not a single one of them said, you know what? It's $5 million. Once I hit the 5 million mark, then life was full and meaningful. Before then, nothing. At that point, everything was perfect. Never met a man or a woman who could give me an amount of money. Never met a man or a woman who could say, if you just drove, if you just drove a Maserati, this is the car. If you just had this car, then life would be set. Never met a man or a woman who was a mom or dad who said all of life's meaning is found in having as many children as you possibly could have. Matter of fact, the truth is this. The truth is, Oftentimes, when you have children, what do you do? You open yourself up to a lifetime of heartache. The reality. Those of you who think that your kids are going to be your salvation and your kids are going to give you meaning in life, chances are, I hate to say this, one day they're going to be 30 years old and they're going to have lives of their own. And they're going to say, hey, mom, dad, thanks for raising me, but I got a life of my own right now. Your home, your marriage, your job, 
your education, all of these things, good. Don't hear me say that any of them are things that you should walk away from or you should trash and throw away into the dust heap of history. None of those things are bad things to run away from. What I'm saying is this, that we as a culture, we try to run to those and we try to imbue, we try to empower, give, give those things power that they never had. What is that power? The power to give us life and life to the fullest. And yet here's this middle-aged carpenter from the Mideast who comes into the halls of history and he says, I'm the gateway to salvation. I'm the gateway to give you a life that is full and meaningful. If you come through me, if you come to me and call upon me, I will give you meaning. I will give you hope. Why can Jesus say that? Because, because the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of every person that experienced Jesus in his word, the testimony of 2,000 years of Christian history is this. If you choose Jesus, you will choose life. You will choose life. Jesus is the gate. If we continue on, if we had time, we don't have time, so we won't do this, but go into verse 11, go through 18. Jesus changes the metaphor just a little bit. Not only is he the gate, he also declares he's the good shepherd. He is that shepherd that leads the sheep in and out, that provides a safe place for the shepherd to eat, a safe place for the shepherd to drink, a safe place for the shepherd to, or for the sheep to rest, a safe place for them to grow and continue to live their lives. He's saying, hey, I'm not only just the gate, I'm also the good shepherd. I'm the one who guides. We read in, uh, in the first part of chapter 10 where Jesus said, hey, you, you guys, you, you would talk to the sheep, but the sheep didn't recognize your voice. They ran from you, but the sheep hear my voice. They recognize me. I realize two things here today for us as we look at how to have the kind of life that Jesus promised to give his people. There's two things here that are key to experience that. First of all is to treat Jesus as the gate. Are you, have you, has there ever been a time in your life in which you said yes to King Jesus in your life? You said, Jesus, I trust you to be who you say you are. I trust that you can forgive sin and I ask for you to forgive my sin. I trust that you have the wisdom to lead us in all types of life and all times in our life. And so I'm looking to you for leadership in my life. Have you ever approached Jesus as he was the gate for you to experience that? And you called upon him and asked him to come into your life and to forgive you of sin and to, to change you from the inside out and to lead you for in the here and now and in the future to come. And then the second part that Jesus shares with us here in order for us to experience the kind of life he is promising, we need to what? We need to hear the shepherd's voice. We need to hear the shepherd's voice. I recognize that most of us, at least if you're like me, a lot of times I'm sitting there going, God, do I have the capability? Do I have the capability to hear your voice when you're speaking? Or do I misconstrue it for other people's voices? Do I misconstrue it uh, for my own conscience or for my, you know, just the fact that I ate food a little too late at night and I'm hearing something totally that I sh that's not of you at all, you know? Uh, do, you know, that, that's an understandable concern to have. I've learned that listening to Jesus' voice has a lot to do with quiet. 
quiet and not being on the run nonstop, soaking up information and hearing and, and loud and, and movement and activity. But it's time just being still and being around Jesus, being around Jesus in his word. At some point today, if it's not, if it's not on your phone now, it will be today. Uh, if you have the Northbridge app, I put out a push notification to go out in which you, when you look at that notification, it'll just ask you a simple question. It'll say, do, I need, I need, it, it, it'll ask you, do you need some help? Do you need help hearing and understanding the whispers of God's voice? And if that's you, if you're saying, you know what, I, that's a concern I have in my life. That's a, an area that maybe I struggle a little bit with. I would invite you, there's a button at the top of that message that you just push that button and what it'll do is it'll take you to an email, an email to me in which all you have to do is email and saying, hey, I'd like some information about what does it mean to be able to hear the shepherd's voice. And what I'm going to do is, is I'll have some, some information to give you. I have a, a study for you that will just help you get in front of Jesus' words, his actions, the things he did when he walked this earth. And uh, that's where we start. That's where we start. If you don't have an app, if you're in this room or you're online and you don't have that app, I'd invite you to, to put that app on the phone, on your phone. It's free. You can find it at your app store under Northbridge, Northbridge Apps. And, uh, and that would be a, it's a great contact point. It's a great way to stay connected with us. Uh, but if you don't have that app right now and you want that, that help, then what you can do is you can just go to my to my phone, which my phone number is 417-860-5378. That's my, that's my cell phone. I invite you to text me and say, hey, I'd like a little help in, in learning what it means to, to hear the shepherd, to hear the shepherd's voice in life. What does that mean? And, and when I get that information, then I'll, I'll send you some stuff this week. I'll send you that same material that I have ready for people that are using the push notification, the notification on the app. And uh, that would be just some resources to help you because here's the reality. The reality that we, we live and die on this truth here at this church. If you choose Jesus, you will choose life. We need a little help times listening to the voice of our shepherd. We always have to challenge Every person we come in contact with and encourage every person that we encounter with the idea that before they can experience life, they have to do what? They have to choose Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the gate. He is the gate. Pray with me. Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for being that gate. We thank you, Lord, for, for the fact that Jesus is the shepherd that guides us in the good times and in the bad in the times in which we have plenty, in the times that we are in want, in the times that we can maybe do life on our own, under our own authority, and in the times where we are just so broken and we're just so hurting that we, we have no hope. In all of those times, your son is there leading, guiding, directing. Help us, God, to be people who are quick to hear his voice. Help us, God, to be people who are keen to recognize him speaking versus all of those other voices trying to get our attention in this world. 
These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.